A few years ago, I had the special opportunity of taking a two-week trip to Colombia as a way to, to sharpen my Spanish skills and also as a way to get immersed in a, a new culture. And a big part of the immersion process was being able to stay with the host family the very first week of our trip there. And my roommate and I were really blessed with being able to stay at Fernando and Soraya's house. Uh, they were the greatest host family. Every morning they had a, a huge platter ready for us, good to go, eggs, ham, bacon, you name it, they had it. And every night we were staying up late playing card games and blasting Soraya's favorite music by Michael Jackson. Uh, they really were an amazing host family. But there was one morning that we were there that we could tell that something was off with Soraya. You see, Soraya had Parkinson's disease, a disease which affects the nervous system, causing uncontrollable movements and making it difficult for the individual to walk. But despite having these symptoms, the disease itself really didn't seem to affect Soraya that much at all. But this morning, Soraya wasn't her usual self. And as we got talking with Soraya that morning, we found out why. That, that previous night, her shaking was so bad that she wasn't able to get any sleep. So Soraya was, was physically drained and exhausted. But there's more to it than that. As we kept talking with Soraya, she eventually told us that when she was initially diagnosed with this disease, her sister told her that she must have done something wrong to anger God. And that's why she had this disease. So not only was she physically drained and exhausted, Soraya was spiritually burdened, living every day with a disease that really served as a constant reminder to her that she had in some way lived contrary to God's word and law that led to this punishment. And this spiritual burden that Soraya was living with was much the same spiritual burden that, that some people were living with back in the first century. You see, back then, the religious leaders at that time were telling the people that they needed to obey God's law in order to earn his favor. And this led the people to, to strive and strain to try to obey God's law perfectly. But it also led the people to live in constant doubt and worry, wondering if they had done enough to earn eternal life in heaven. The people were spiritually burdened. And it was to these spiritually burdened people that in our verses for today, Jesus offers a new way of living that was in contrast to this burdened way of life that they were being told to live that was in contrast to the Pharisees, what the Pharisees were teaching to them. And it's the Pharisees that Jesus had in mind when he prayed, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from clever and learned people. The Pharisees had studied the law diligently. Day and night, they were looking at the law to try and find new and different ways and better ways to better themselves before God. But in all their diligent studying, they failed to recognize that they were so thoroughly corrupted by sin that there was nothing that they could do through their own actions to earn God's favor. And as Jesus says, it was people like the Pharisees, those who refused to acknowledge their own sinfulness and think that they can earn heaven through their own works that God hides his plan of salvation from. 
But those to whom God does reveal his plan of salvation too are instead children. Now Jesus wasn't only talking about children, rather he was talking about those who have the saving faith of little children. Those who recognize their sinfulness and those who recognize that they are completely dependent on God's grace for their salvation. And Jesus was really making this point. God reveals his plan of salvation to those who take him at his word in simple faith. And after Jesus made this point, he then turned to his disciples and said, Everything has been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal him. Now, time and time again throughout his ministry, Jesus tried to explain the unique relationship that existed between him and his Father in heaven. That the Father and the Son hide no secrets from one another. What the Son knows, the Father knows. And what the Father knows, the Son knows as well. Only the Father knows what's in the mind of his Son. His desire to go to the cross so that he could die for the sins of the world. And only the Son knows what's in the mind of his Father. His heart of, of love, mercy, and compassion, and his desire to save. Only Jesus knows this. But Jesus reveals this information to those who take him at his word in simple faith. Really, the point Jesus was making with everything he said so far was to really tell the crowd before him to stop listening to the Pharisees. Sure, they may be wise and learned people. Sure, they may know every last detail about the law of Moses and the law of their fathers. But they would never be able to know or to lead others to God's plan of salvation because there is only one way to find God and his love. And that is through faith and his promises. The billions of people throughout the world try to find God by doing the right things. They apply the knowledge of this world to their salvation, and this really leads them down a dangerous path. The world tells us that in order to, to get a better job, in order to be a better mother, son, father, daughter, uh, to, to get ahead in this world in any way, we have to do something. Our success in this world is earned and judged based on our actions. And there's a little Pharisee in all of us that wants to believe that we can in some way work and earn our way into heaven. But this thinking will never get us right with God. And Paul in our second reading for today explained why. But as Paul looked at his life, he saw a very disturbing truth. That as he took an honest look at his life, he saw that, that even though he knew what God's law said, even though he knew the things that God's law said were, were good and pleasing and were things that he should do, these were the things that he failed to do. And he saw that the things that God's law said were, were bad, evil, and sinful and should be avoided at all costs, that these were the things that he fell into time and time again. And if we take an honest look at our own lives, don't we see the exact same thing? That even though we know what God's law says, don't we find that we all too often live contrary to what God's word says? 
And the reason Paul and everyone who's here today this morning can see this reality in their own lives is because of the sinful natures that we're born with. The sinful natures which have been passed down from generation to generation ever since Adam and Eve fell into sin. The sinful natures which so thoroughly corrupt us with sin that they not only make us guilty of sin at the moment of conception, but they lead us to fall into all kinds of sins throughout our lives. That it's our sinful natures that leave us completely incapable of doing anything to earn favor in God's sight. And so with Paul, we can join in saying, what a wretched person I am. But coming to this realization doesn't mean that we need to be led to despair. Because as we heard in our verses for today, that it's exactly ones like you and me, ones who recognize just how sinful they truly are, that God reveals his plan of salvation to. And God does that through his word. That it's through his word that God creates and strengthens faith in our hearts to trust and believe in each and every one of his promises. To trust and believe in his promise to send a savior and to see that he fulfilled this promise by sending his very own son into this world to die on the cross for all of our sins. And to trust and believe in his promise that there truly is life after death. Because God raised his son from the grave three days after he gave his life on the cross. And to trust and believe in his promise that he continues to pour out his love, grace, and mercy on sinners like you and me through word and sacrament. All of God's promises assure us that even though we could do nothing to earn salvation on our own, that it has been fully and freely given to us through the work of Christ. And as our verses continue, we see that God's promises not only assure us of our salvation, but they also give us rest for our souls. And Jesus knew of the burden which had been placed on the people who were listening to the Pharisees. I mean, they were told to, to fast, pray, strictly obey the Sabbath, and do anything that would make them appear to be righteous in God's sight. Jesus knew that they were spiritually burdened, and it was to these spiritually burdened people that Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And the people were exhausted during the day, striving and straining to obey God's law perfectly. And at night, the people were, were restless, wondering if they had actually done enough good to enter heaven or not. The law was, was tearing them apart, and Jesus knew that their souls were in need of rest. And so Jesus invited them to a different way of thinking. Take my yoke upon you. At first glance, what Jesus says here hardly sounds like an offer to rest. Because a yoke is a heavy wooden frame that joins two animals together so that they can carry heavy weights by evenly distributing the weight on them. But the reason Jesus' yoke gives rest is because being connected to Jesus, he carries the entire burden. Jesus carries the entire weight. Jesus does all of the work. Because the very reason Jesus came into this world was to endure and carry the entire burden and yoke of the law in the place of sinners like you and me. 
And throughout his entire life, he obeyed it perfectly. And Jesus even endured a heavier burden during his time here on the earth. He picked up the sins of the world on his very own back. A weight and a burden that would crush anyone. But Jesus placed them on his very own back so that when he was on the cross hanging there, he could endure the wrath and punishment that each and every one of them deserved. So that he could take off the yoke and the burden of the law that rests on each and every sinner. And because Jesus would go on to accomplish this, is why he was inviting the crowd before him to come to him. Because he wanted them to see that he is gentle and humble in heart and that he alone could provide rest for their souls. When the crowd would learn this about Jesus, they would see that they no longer needed to worry about the burden or the yoke of the law because in Jesus they would know that they had the forgiveness of all of their sins. Meaning that even for the times that they did fail to obey God's law perfectly, which would happen time and time again, they wouldn't need to be burdened by these sins because they would know of the true spiritual rest that Christ had won for them, giving up his very own life on the cross to provide for their greatest spiritual need. And this is why Jesus then says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Because Jesus' yoke is one where they wouldn't need to worry about their souls. Rather, Jesus' yoke is one that assured them that they had a place in heaven. And most importantly, that they didn't need to do anything to get there. By coming to Jesus, they would find rest knowing that he had done everything for them and in their place. What things exhausted you this past week? Maybe you got some chores done around the house and this left you feeling exhausted, but maybe you're content with yourself knowing that you got some things done and that you did a good job. Or maybe this past week at work you had a, a big project that took a lot of time and effort on your part, but maybe you feel content with yourself knowing that it was a, a job well done. But what about our spiritual lives? Can we honestly say that we're content with all the sins that weighed us down this past week? I mean, how could we when we see that we fall into sins time and time again and so often fail to live according to what God's word says? That when we honestly take a look at our lives, we see, or we can get so weighed down seeing that no matter how hard we strive and strain to live according to God's law, that time and time again we will fall short. But it's for this very reason that Jesus tells all sinners, including you, to take up the easy burden of his yoke. That Jesus invites you to learn who he is and to see that he is gentle and humble in heart. To see that he fulfilled the law perfectly in your place. And he also invites you to see him hanging on the cross. And to know that because the entire sins of the entire world were placed on him, but that means that each and every one of your sins were placed on him as well. Your sins which weigh heavily on your conscience. Your sins which have been a burden to you day in and day out. The sins which lead you to be restless at night wondering if God would really let a sinner like you into heaven. That it was even for these sins that Jesus gave his very own life on the cross for. 
And Jesus has won all of this for you, free of charge. And Jesus wants all people to know that in him they can find rest. People like Sariah, who are burdened, thinking that they in some way damaged their relationship with God. Sinners like you and me, who daily fall into sins that can burden and weigh on our conscience. Jesus wants you to know that in him you can find rest. Because even though we bring nothing to the table in terms of our salvation, Jesus gives us true rest by assuring us that he has paid the ultimate price so that we could have life in heaven. So look to Jesus and know that he gives you the assurance of your salvation and rest for your souls. Amen.